I'm doing this series, although it's not like a series through a section of the Bible. These are three messages really, as I've just prayed and waited on God, what do we need in this season? Because it's been, and I think will continue to be really tough. And I think if we, if we want to thrive in the season we're in, there's three key things at least we really need to be aware of, grasp, get a hold of. Otherwise, our Christian faith is in danger of shriveling and we're in danger of thinking and feeling the wrong things about God, about church, or whatever. And, and the, the, So I've done two of them. So it's, it's a bit of a trilogy. It's a bit of a trinity, really, if we're going to get super spiritual about it. And, and So if you've not got the others, I can't go back and do it all to make this bit work, but... I really encourage you to get them on, online. So first was really about how we keep our first love alive because actually everything you're in right now is a competition for your affections and where they lie and what they're focused on. And one of the things that's happened in COVID and everything else is the enemy's been, enemy's been out to steal your affections, water them down, point them at anything other than Jesus. And, and there's, that's the whole message the second one was spiritual warfare, which I think sometimes we just don't see it. And we think what we're thinking is just us, but it's actually the enemy who's actually out not to bless you, but to destroy you. But he comes to you in a way that makes you think he's out to do you good. And we looked at that last week. We looked at Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how once you start to accept the, the, like the enemy's line of argument, it distorts your whole reality and suddenly uh, white becomes black. Uh, you forget all the good things God has done and you tend to start to focus on what's not happening in church, what's not happening in your life and, and, and you end up depressed even if you're just in revival. Literally, you listen to the wrong thing, you can go within 24 hours from being in revival to being in depression which is what happened to Elijah and it's about listening to the right thing. Okay, so Again, not time to unpack all of that, but we did that. I think that's so important. I don't think life is going to get easier. All right? I don't think suddenly, you know, Putin's going to become nicer and the economy's going to get easier. I, or, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that kind of a prophet, but I just get the feeling we're in an intense season where we've rolled from one pressure to another pressure and I'm watching the effect on believers' lives and not all of it is fun to watch. All right, that, that it's, I'm watching the pressures that come on me and the sort of battles that you personally go through to stay in love with Jesus and passionate about his purpose. And it's like everything about what's going on in our world is designed to steal your passion, make you feel tired, discouraged. What's the point? And we need to rise up with him against that pressure because actually as the, it just is getting darker your light will shine brighter. And we're here to be lights, not to just go with the darkness, all right? So this is an exhortation to you to be on fire and to get on fire is to recover first love. Don't listen to what the enemy's fear tactics. And today is about processing pain well because in life there is difficulty. That should get an amen because it's just true. <laughs> and... The older you are, the more difficulty you will pass through. And, and it was one of 
Jesus' least popular promises in John 16, 33, says, in the world you will have trouble. And we think, oh, he came to give us abundant life. Yes, he did. But also, in the world you will have trouble and that will come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. For us in recent days, it's been COVID, Putin, economic turmoil. You know, what's going to happen to my gas bill? What's going to happen to our mortgage? That's in the world having trouble, okay? And add to that personal losses, personal difficulties. There's, we've all got our own list, eh? Um, but the next thing he said was, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And, and that, that's where we, you know, if we're really honest, it's like, shoot, how do you do that? And really I want to talk, that's the kind of crux of what we're about today. Uh, as I've got older and different decades of your life pass, I've watched Christians in their 20s hit difficulties and because they're, but, but sustain optimism. What I've noticed is once you start to hit your 30s and the difficulties mount up, I've watched many, many people start to plateau and they're doing church, they're still believers, but it's kind of almost cultural Christianity, show up when they can, but actually disappointment or pressure has crept in and something's dulled on the inside. Then you get in your 40s, then you get in your... You know, it just keeps going, going in your 50s, you start to maybe lose parents and all this... All of these things you have to process at some point in your life. And if you do it well with Jesus, you're going to end up in a better place. If you don't process these difficulties, losses, setbacks well, you could end up discouraged, bitter, hopeless, but on the outside still doing the Christian thing. And I really believe God wants to give us the wisdom. You need wisdom and the strength to not be those people and to shake off and cast off the things that come upon us when inside we start to get discouraged, burned out, fed up, disappointed. You know, make your own list, but it'll have some of those words in it. And, and <clears throat> it's interesting as we've, uh, Teresa and I, she's not here today, she's sick. She, I go, you know, share everything, marriage, she got the bug I had. So, bless her. I want her to be well before I go to India. So she's got a chest infection. Um, where was I? We started King of Legacy. One of the thing, interesting things about leaders that are in that community are saying to us are, not many of you around at your age who are still on fire, still excited, even leaders. And, and, because, and that, it's because we kind of learned something along the way, I think. All right? So I want to share some of that wisdom with you. So let's learn to do trouble well. Let's learn to do loss well. Let's learn because if one thing is for certain, <clears throat> a life without pain isn't an option. I wish, I wish the good news was, I can show you how to live without pain. Man, they would be running in the door, wouldn't they? Like, this guy knows how to live with that pain. I can't, because I can't promise it, I can't deliver it, and it's actually, I've already said, Jesus said, that's not what life is like. Okay? A life without pain is not possible. The response to it is what's crucial. Okay? So, for example, Mark 16, verse 9 
it talks there about how the disciples are in real grief because Jesus has died. He, he was their hope. And then, you know, you know the story. He was arrested. He was brutally crucified. And, and all their hopes are placed on this miracle-working guy who they thought was the Messiah. And then the authorities stepped in, crushed him brutally, and they're in hiding, and they're discouraged, and they're mourning the loss of their friend, their leader, the guy they thought they were Messiah. And a couple of ladies show up who just went to the tomb, and they're excited because they saw an angel, and they told, and the tomb was empty, and they say, look, he's, he's alive. And these guys say um, they didn't believe the good news of the resurrection. That's what it says, Mark 69, because they're so in grief, Yeah, it bounces off. I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in other people's life. It's just like, I'm so like, mm. someone tells me, that was an amazing story, wasn't it? This happened, or this healing happened, or this amazing provision happened for somebody else, or this could come for you, and you can like, yeah, maybe. We don't say, I don't believe it, get away from me, because we're, not, we're too Christian for that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But maybe on the inside we could be a bit, yeah, maybe. And then the other side is Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So there's actually blessing in mourning well. And often the, the, the challenges and the things we have involve a certain kind of a loss. It could be you know, of an extreme, a close loved one. It could be a job, it could be money, it could be friendship, it could be hope, it could be dream. But that kind of processing a loss is called mourning. And it says, actually, you're blessed when you mourn. I'm putting in the word well. Blessed when you mourn well because you're going to be comforted. So un if you let unbelief in, it can make you resistant to the very thing you need. You can step back from the presence of the Lord in resentment or whatever else is going on rather than step into everything he has for you in that, that time and in that season. All right, so I have, I have seven keys. I don't usually like keys, but seven points if you don't like keys. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've already talked about one of them, which is just facing the fact that it's not an option. You know, you're not failing in life if you're having a lot of problems and issues. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but this happened and that, and there must be something wrong with you. No, it just, it's just normal. <laughs> Join the human race. All right, so don't get down on yourself because, oh man, you know, how am I going to pay this? exorbitant new de de debit for my gas and electric and last week I didn't know how to do this and that, that don't, don't get that message from trouble because it's just you're not a trouble magnet, you're just alive second thing is and, and, and really some of these other points expand on this, recognise that the backsliding from God begins with blaming and judging him when we start, when, uh, and this is a lot about our inner posture, what's going on, on the inside. Like, for, for example, last week, 
I'm, I'm going to this, this uh, embassy thing this, uh, to get my visa, and, uh, and I'm, na- I'm knackered. You know, I didn't get in bed till 3 a.m., and I'm, I'm up at the door at, for 9 o'clock to walk, having gone through all this hassle, and I'm just like... Oh. And then I get there, and I can't use the form that I've filled in, so I have to do the form on my phone, and then I have to print it out. But there's two computers, and there's a queue of 10 people, and my time is ticking... And, and uh, 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 you know, just on and on and on and on. And inside, I'm like, I could get really, really hacked off about this. Like, you know, the train was four hours late. There was no food on the train. There was no... Anybody? You're all looking at me like, don't know what you're talking about, Andy. And then, and I'm, I'm, inside, I'm going, Jesus, I'm going to walk, I want to walk with you in this, not get all tense or anxious particularly the moment where the 140 quid disappeared and she said it's 8 to 10 days it's like oh, what happens at that point on the inside I'm like well Jesus is in me I, I, actually have, I actually have some choices here I don't have to be overwhelmed by the ah. I, I, I mean, there was a very nice man that helped me and sent me to the post office about 200 yards away, which was run by an Indian couple who knew exactly what was going on in the office up the road, the Indian embassy, and they, he said he was an expert photographer, so he did try to get a new photograph, my photo was the wrong side, had to print out a new form, but I couldn't get to the printer. They, for £6.50, they did me new photos and printed it out. (laughs) And then, and then I get so it was a hassle getting there and then to get out of London on the day when there's no trains I get to the bus and it's absolutely bonkers it's mobbed I've booked a seat on the bus but the bus is running an hour late I've got a train to ca- a plane to catch and I'm like you know on the in- again you're looking at me like we don't know what you mean we just wanna- we sail through those things Andy we just I'm- there's a lot of potential anxiety kicking off but on the inside I'm going you know what Lord you're with me. You're going to get me on that plane. It's going to be okay. I'm going to stay at peace and walk with you in this. And that's when I end up sitting. This guy sits next to me on the bus and just starts to open his life up about Jesus. I spent an hour talking to him about Jesus and praying for him. God touches him. Just, I think if I'd been all like, you know that thing, don't you? In other people. I'm not sure I've been ready for that, that moment, that God appointment. Okay, so not recognize that backsliding from God begins with blaming and judging him. Number three, pain is it's a real thing. It's not, I can't pretend it isn't there, okay? And questions, therefore, are real and very present. And sometimes the Questions can feel very pressing and very urgent. And if I could just get an answer to the question, I would feel better. I would have, what's the, what's the phrase we have? I would have closure or I'd have resolve or I'd have, you know? It's not really, I don't think that's actually true. So this whole subject that we're talking about, which is difficulty and suffering, there's even a, I can't remember it now, but there's a special theological name for it because theologians have spent hundreds of years talking about what C.S. Lewis calls the problem of pain, like trying to wrestle with 
If God is good and he's all-powerful and there's a devil and there's life and there's you and there's me, how does, it, how does it all work and why does it happen? And is it, is it because you, you, you were awful or, or someone dropped you on the head as a baby? Or, or, you know, on a, on a, or, has, or has God got a naughty side or, has, or is it all just the devil and he's more powerful than we think? And they wrestle and 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 still nobody really knows. And actually, I've done my best attempt, there's a podcast I hope going to come out alongside this called Trials, to talk about a bit more in detail about the different forces that we are encountering, okay? I'll give, give you my take on it. You know, after 200 years of, 300 years of other theologians, I don't have time to do all that now, but I've had a bash, okay? So hopefully that will come out as a podcast with some notes and you can, you can have a go. But... The trouble is, answers are not always available or simple or sometimes not even desirable. And childlikeness is the ability to live in that tension, in that mystery place. And Jesus said that childlikeness is key to entering the realms of the kingdom of heaven. Sophistication and rationalization is not a key to entering the kingdom of heaven, into the peace of God and the provision of God. So some things don't have easy answers. And the longer you live, the more you find out some things don't have easy answers. Particularly the question why can be, you just, I mean there's so many times i said to God why, and it's like, Okay, I don't think I'm going to get answered to that one. But what I do find in it, as I adopt this posture of childlikeness and walking with him in the mystery, is incredible revelation, provision, peace, joy happens in the middle of stuff that's tough. <clears throat> childlikeness. Not having to have all the answers. And it connects. Number four, trust in the Lord with all your heart. One of my best memorized proverbs. Do not rely on your own insight. So coming up with your own answers is also bad news. We, could, we can rationalize the supernatural, loving, kind God out of our need for healing or out of our whatever tension we're in. While we start, because of our desperate need to have an answer, we can cook one up. And the church has been doing that for a very long time and we've cooked stuff up that doesn't really include the goodness, the supernatural power of God, which we heard, read, and read this one, beautiful in the message about the sovereignty of God, the power of God, his activity as the risen one. Suddenly we kind of, we shrink God with our reasons just to try and feel more comfortable with our questions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own insight. And I think worship in pain and suffering is absolutely a key to this. So turning, and by that I don't just mean singing the songs, but turning the affections of your heart to tell God you love him, you think he's good, and do it with gusto. 
You know, because you know when it's not going well, we all tend to go a bit like, eh, you know, I'm feeling a bit there, so God, you're okay with me being real, so yeah, you're good, yeah, probably, yeah, I love you, Lord, but I'm a bit near. But sometimes when it's really, really, eh, that's when you really need to go, Lord, I love you. Don't understand all this crap, but I love you, I worship you, you're the king over the whole thing. And one half shift you near. <laughs> and it's keeping it's it's keeping our affections pointed to the to him and affirming with our mouths and our posture his the true nature of his character, his love, his steadfast love that never ceases, his mercy that never comes to an end, his goodness that knows no bounds. When you do that in the midst of trial and suffering and difficulty and pain, you are bursting with revelation from heaven and in a place where you can be in mourning but you can receive comfort in that spot because you're, you're just leaning into heaven's reality, not leaning into the troubled world which we are living in. Do you see? The troubled world wants to suck you into its attitudes, its feelings and make them normal because what we're trying to do in this church is make heaven's attitudes and feelings, Jesus' attitudes and feelings, normal no matter what's happening in the world around us. And the trouble that's happening in COVID is people sat at their homes for two years and felt that all these funny feelings were normal. And they're not. But two years is long enough to make you think, well, maybe this is it. It's not. <clears throat> So trust in God with all your heart. Well, I've got to find some trust. But the beautiful thing is more and more, more and, if you study this carefully, more and more theologians are coming to, the, to agree with me <laughs> in all humility that actually what the Bible is calling us to is to have the faith of God rather than have faith in God. Now why is that important? Because it's a massive difference one is about you having your faith in him. So he's there, you're here, and you've got to believe him. That's have faith in God, yeah? That's how a lot of us have heard it for, for a long time. But actually, I think it's more accurately translated in two or three places that what we're exhorted to do, commanded to do, is have the faith of God. So you're not even trusting him with your own faith. You're not trying to find an emotional response that looks like faith that you present to him, you're actually leaning into the reality of Christ in you and letting the one who's in you believe for you, through you. Oh, do you have a verse for that? Glad you asked. <laughs> one of the first verses I learned as a Christian said, Galatians 2.20, I have been, past tense, I have been, and I'm in the condition of, this means, crucified with Christ. So not only is it past, it's also still in force. I'm dead with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ, and the life I now live... Hang on, I've missed a bit out, haven't I? Help me out, it's gone blank. I've gone straight to the faith bit, because that's the point. I'm trying... It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Isn't that awesome? 
So I am dead, past tense, but still in force. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me, and the life I now live, I live by, best translation possible, I live now by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is why he says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Because he's not leaving you like dangling, he's not saying, right, great, you believe me now, chucking you into that world that's all difficult and I've overcome through the cross and somehow you've got to access that overcoming power by worshipping me, believing in me. He's saying, no, I've overcome the world. That means I'm living in you with all that resurrection power and you can access it. If we keep thinking it's over there, it makes it harder to access what's already in here. Gosh, I've got to get this done. I just want us to sing at the end of this as a a response. It's got Steve primed, I hope. Help me, Jesus. Uh, All right, have the faith of God. Number five on my list, I don't know whether you're taking notes, but number five is realize that he's in you, with you, in the dark spot. I mean, we're... I came across this quote the other day. Christians have become way better beggars than they have believers. So often when we're in a really difficult place, it's like, oh Lord, will you come into my situation? And we pray for one another like that. Oh Lord, please come into this. You're looking at me like, oh, you never pray. It's how we do it. We plead with the Almighty to intervene and come and, Lord, please be with them in their grief. The truth is, he's already with you in your grief. The truth is, is, no matter how dark it gets in your life, he's already there. Now, I could give you tons and tons of verses about this, but the most famous one would be Psalm 23. Where is God in the valley of the shadow of death? Hands up. He's beside you. He's not in the clouds asking you to appeal to him properly to come down and be with you in the darkest possible moments of life. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, whoo, you've got to find it, because sometimes you don't see him because you're looking for him in the wrong places. It's like, it's already here. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. That means he never will leave us or forsake us. That he's with us in the valley of the shadow of death. And he's already at work. And what's beautiful about that is he walks with you with his rod and his staff. So comforting is nice. Can I borrow you, George? Are you okay? Yeah, I think you're going to... So George is having a rough time, and I put my arm around and said, George, I'm so sorry, it's so, um, you're not having a rough time, just okay. whip play acting. Yeah. Just so sorry it's so tough for you now, George. I hope, hope that feels better. Thanks, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> the empathy and sympathy, they're not bad things, but, you know, I'm really going to feel a lot better when I know someone's with me who's got some authority to do something about it. So his rod and his staff comfort me. He talks about the authority of God is with you in your dark place. The securing bit is he's there 
and he's got the power to do something about it as well as the love to be alongside you and pour in some kindness and somehow we have split that I've seen that happen in church I've seen it, and like it's all about well can we be kind well actually no have we got any power I'm not going to feel very safe around a lot of people who are just kind if they don't have any power to do anything about what I'm facing or what's going on hello good morning is it he's with us in the valley of the shadow of death his rod and staff comfort us it's incredibly comforting to have the presence of God in all his authority walking with you in that valley the most comforting thing is to have the king in your dark place not just someone who's gentle and kind good to have that right but don't divorce that from power and authority alright so that's number five are you getting revved up Steve I've got two to go I don't know if I'm going to make no one to go I said seven I've got six I'll forget it whatever it is number point last point be careful what you eat Psalm 23 he sets he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies some of the deepest intimacy with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit happens in our lives if we let it when the enemies it looks like the enemies are right there to run us over where does he set the feast? he sets the feast in the presence of the enemies not, not on a beach on holiday so often our desire is to escape what God's going to do is feed you in front of them. And often our, 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 hum, our humanity, and we're surrounded by this, it's in our social media feeds, we're being brainwashed by this, is to comfort self. And again, I talked about this in number one of this trilogy, the Trinitarian message. The, 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 point is, the point is, he's the comforter, He's the, he's the one to commune with and he has a feast for us. We don't need to self-medicate and you can make your own list of what all that is but we're all a bit prone to you know, the extra glass of wine or the, the, uh, the comfort eating or the... Or, you're all grown up say, so I don't need to say more, do I really? Um... Do not feast on the food of bitterness, regret, resentment and unforgiveness. These shrivel your soul and cause us to look outside of God's provision for our comfort. Can I say that again? Steve, are we ready? Do not feed on the food of bitterness, regret, resentment and unforgiveness. I've seen, I've watched through COVID. I actually spent several months praying for some people I knew. Lord, please don't let them because they're out of you know direct fellowship I can see sometimes I felt like I could see in the spirit like I could see that there were things that were bugging them and saying God please don't let them get bitter in this time where they've got no other voices to jolt them out of it bitterness is a killer 
to joy, to fellowship, to enjoyment of God, to friendship with other people. And it's subtle, it's not. You can feel very justified being bitter because of what they did to you or didn't do to you or didn't notice or have noticed. Forgive, forgive as you have been forgiven and feast on the, fee, the food of forgiveness that is before you in the midst of your trouble. And as referred to last week, one of the enemy's great foods is fear. And if you can push the fear button in us, reality, our perception of reality distorts and we can start to think all kinds of things aren't true about God, the church, Christianity, the world, just like that.